Well, praise the Lord, everyone. So good to be in the house of God with the family of God. And I'm thankful for the Spirit of God. If we just stand for just a moment, we're going to open up in prayer. I'm just going to pray that God has his way today, and he will just move in how he wants to move. Let's praise him and thank him. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your mercy, your love, and all that you are. Thank you, God, for everything you do. Thank you, God, for your spirit, your word, and your truth, Lord God. And we pray that you would just have your way. God, we pray that you would speak to every one of our minds, every one of our hearts, Lord God, that you would do exactly what you want to do, Lord God. I pray, God, that you would shift us and change us and transform us, Lord God. I pray, God, that your spirit would have its way, Lord God, that we would hear you, Lord Jesus. We magnify you. We worship you, God. And we have expectation, Lord God, for today, God, that you're going to to touch hearts and people. In Jesus' name, we praise you. We thank you. In Jesus, Jesus' name. Well, you can be seated. Uh, I have a few scriptures to read, but we'll get to that in just a second here. Throughout scripture, God establishes covenants that lead to blessings, which then leads to promises, which then leads to miracles. We must, in turn, of course, obey the covenants and that lead to blessings and increase our commitment, which increases the fruition of promises and miracles. As we read about promises throughout the Bible, we begin to see that they begin to be attached by something. They're attached to uh, sacrifice of self. They're attached to the hand of God. They're not, they're not isolated things. They're not isolated miracles and isolated events. You look at Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 8, it says, And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee. Neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. In Isaiah 43, in verse 2, it says, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, thou shalt not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But you, you look at each one of these passages, these promises, and we realize that with Deuteronomy 31, 8, if for God to be with us, for, for us to not fail with him, there has to be opposition. There has to be an attack. There has to be conflict that we are faced with for God not to fail. When there's rivers and fires that uh, we're not going to get burnt by, there has to be a fire that we walk through. There has to be some sort of issue and problem and, and situation that we have to walk through that brings the promise that we will not be burnt. When we read that we, if we resist the devil, he's going to flee from us, that means he has to oppose us. He has to be in front of us. He has to speak and attack us for that to happen. So every, every, every promise, every miracle, it's, it's attached to something. Mark eleven twenty three it says, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain and there that it be removed, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shalt not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever so he says. So it's attached to faith. The only way for the mountain to move is to have faith and, and not doubt. So there's something attached. And a simple thought I have to bring to you today, and there's a few different ways I guess we could say it, but what to do with a miracle. You could also say what to do with miracles. You could also say what do we do with 2021. What do we do with what we experienced in 2021? The miracles that were poured out, the people that received the Holy Ghost, the people that received physical healings and financial blessings, and, and people got baptized 
It was a tremendous, wonderful, phenomenal year. And then we reached the end of 2021. It's 2022. What do we do next? All of a sudden, there's this, there's this okay, well, we're waiting on God. God, what are you going to do next? How, how are you going to change South Dakota? How are you going to change the city of Watertown next? How are you going to shape the city and the church next? But we read with these miracles that there, there, there comes attached a covenant. There comes attached something that is required for that miracle to be obtained, for more miracles to, to happen. So for him not to fail, there has to be the opposition. So for us to regularly experience the miracles, these, these things that we want to experience, that we are desiring and needing, faith must be multiplied. For faith to be multiplied, commitment, that also must be multiplied. Because the only way faith to be multiplied is we commit more. We, we give more. We find something else to add to the kingdom. We find something else to add to somebody, something else to add to the body. And real miracles, they ought to produce certain specific things. And real commitment, that produces those real miracles. The Israelites, we have this story in Exodus chapter 14, and verse 30 and 31. It says, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore, and Israel saw, Israel saw uh, that the great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord, and his servant Moses. It, it highlights there that they, they saw something happen. They saw and then they believed. They saw and then they feared God. They saw and then they followed God. But if you slide over to Deuteronomy chapter 1, we're going to start with verse 6. Same Israelites. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6 says, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, You have dwelt long enough in this mount. Turn you and take your journey. Go to the mount of the Amorites and unto all the places nigh thereunto. In the plain, in the hills, in the vale, in the south, by the seaside to the land of the Canaanites and unto Lebanon. Unto the great river, the river Euphrates. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. If we read further, we know the Israelites didn't really follow this according to plan. There was this promise of a miraculous victory that the Israelites had. There was this promise, and they kind of scoffed at God. They're like, well, God, you can't really do that. You don't know what this is like. You don't, you don't see those giants over there. You don't see those obstacles and those issues like we see it. You don't know that we don't have power, and we're weak and feeble people, and you really can't do that. You, you just don't get it, God. We can't possess that land. We can't go into that place. And they're just, just, just like, okay, well, it's not going to happen. And God even says, fear not, I'm going to be with you. Fear not, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to win this battle for you. It says in verse 30, the Lord your God which goeth before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And they still had trouble believing God after they seen and experienced these things that they experienced and witnessed in Egypt. These plagues that were sent to defeat the Egyptians, to, to, to set some distance between the Egyptians and the Israelites, they saw these plagues. They saw the Egyptians be killed by God and them be delivered from Egypt, and yet they still had trouble believing that God could just give them a land. 
even though he destroyed Pharaoh, even though he destroyed these, these problems and issues that they were faced with and brought them out of slavery, he delivered them from their problems and their bondage, but yet they still struggled to believe, God, you could really give us that land. You could really give us that land. In verse 36, we read that, Save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Also the Lord was angry with me for your sake, saying, Thou also shalt not go in thither. But Joshua, the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. Two people. Two people were left from this group because they believed God. Two people were able to enter this possessed, this promised land because they believed God. Two people out of this large community of people simply because they just couldn't say, you know what, God, you can do that miracle for me. You could give that land to me. You could move in me and do something mighty for your sake and for your kingdom. Two people made it through. Only two. And we read in verse prior to that, In verse 34, And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth. He was angry and swore, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your fathers. So you see this dynamic that's happening. In Egypt, they saw the miracle. And they believed, you know what? I'm going to fear this God because he just destroyed all these people. So I'm going to follow him. I'm going to trust him for a minute. And then we see in Deuteronomy, God says, Okay, here's the miracle. Go get it. There's a difference. Here's the miracle. You go get it. You do the work, and then I will enter. Then I will take care of you if you rise up, if you increase your faith. See, in Egypt, they were a bit ignorant. They were still a bit immature in their faith with God. They didn't have a full understanding of who God was. They didn't have a full understanding of everything that he wanted to do. So God needed to take some extra time and say, I'm going to increase your faith by increase your standard of living. I'm going to increase your standard of experiencing me by taking you out of Egypt, by by giving you miracles and propelling you to a place and helping you get there. Well, we look at Joshua and Caleb, and you can kind of imagine a body, right? And Joshua and Caleb, you could probably say Joshua and Caleb, one was the eyes of the body. One might be the mouth of the body, declaring the word of the Lord, declaring what God wanted to do with the Israelites. But you look around at the body and you ask, where are the shoulders to help carry that vision? Where are the hands to fight the giants that they had to defeat? Where are the legs and the feet to run to the land God had promised? They were not there. They were incomplete. The body was incomplete because you only have two people that saw the vision, two people that saw the miracle, two people that were willing to fight. And this is what happens when a person forgets or loses sight of what miracles are for. The body cannot walk as one, and the body becomes lacking. See, some miracles there for deliverance, like Egypt, to be delivered from a problem, to be delivered from a situation. Deliverance. They run to you. They're poured out on you. And some miracles, they're meant for multiplication. They must be obtained. They must be fought for. They must be paid for by commitment and sacrifice. And they have very different purposes, but there are patterns to both. Some God pours on you. Some God tells us to possess. You've got to get that or you can't get it. I've given this to you. I've promised this to you, but it requires more of you. Miracles, they ought to bring multiplication. And miracles, they come attached to to the very hand of God. 
So we don't take the miracle and be removed from it. We don't take the miracle and become detached to the miracle. We hold on to it because that is connected to the very spirit of God. Deuteronomy 1.6 told us the Israelites, they had stayed long enough on this mount. Don't stay too long on the memory of your miracle. Praise Him for it. Thank Him for it. Celebrate it. Have a testimony about it to share. But don't think that miracle you received is supposed to stay there in an isolated event in the vacuum of time. Don't think that it was just for you or just for that moment, just for that specific time. Because that miracle is supposed to live on. It's supposed to breathe on and operate further. That miracle is meant to be a witness and a powerful conduit of the Spirit of God. See, I I dare to bet you that you ask Peter. You ask Peter when he took a few steps on that water. He wasn't thinking, you know what? The whole world's going to hear about this. And generation after generation after generation of people are going to hear about this miracle. Peter wasn't thinking about that. You look at the woman with the issue of blood. She wasn't thinking, God touching me is going to be heard throughout the entire earth. And generation after generation after generation of people are going to be affected by it. Are going to have increased faith by the story of me getting healed from the blood. She just needed Jesus. She just needed Jesus. So Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it calls us to be a living sacrifice. But we also have to believe that we also are living miracles too. Multiplying faith is multiplied by commitment. And multiplied commitment with multiplied faith produces multiplied miracles. If you want a miracle in your mind, there's a pattern to it. We've got to commit a little bit more of your thoughts to him. If you want a miracle in your mind, you just you got to make a little bit more room in your mind. Make a little bit more room and persuade and remind yourself about the word of God, the promises of God, and his sound mind promise to us. Let his thoughts consume your thoughts. If you're worried all the time, full of anxiety, give those thoughts to prayer. Give those thoughts to the word of God, and that miracle will come. If you need a miracle in your finances, it's not simply, I'm going to give everything I have financially. I'm going to give more money financially. It's about being more intentional with those money that's given. Being more intentional about where that's money given. Being making sure that we're sensitive and we hear the voice of God saying, I, I want you to invest in that. Because that, 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 that is a need that you can bless. You can minister to that need. And when that miracle comes, you can look back to say, this is how that miracle came. Because I was intentional with what God gave me. If you want a miracle in your relationships, give more mercy. Give more grace. Give more love. We take on more of his nature and more of his character. It's about giving more. There, there is a pattern to miracles. There is a pattern to what God wants to do in our life. And if we're wondering, well, how, how do I get my miracle? How, how do I get my situation taken care of? James chapter 1 verse 5 says, ask God and he's going to give it to you. If you lack wisdom, ask God, God, how do I get my need answered? And why do you, need, why do you want to answer my need? Miracles come and they go. And people think, we think sometimes that miracle is just for that moment. But that miracle is supposed to be continuing again and again and again. See, the same spirit produces the miracle. The same spirit that produces the miracle for you is the same spirit that produces the miracle for me and your brothers and your sisters. They're, they're connected. They're connected. They're not isolated events. So your, your pursuit, my pursuit, it has to match the miracle that we desire. 
Whatever commitment that we give ourselves to, whatever time we give ourselves to, whatever love we give ourselves to, that is what it's going to produce. That is what's going to provoke you when you're at home. That's going to provoke you when you're praying and you're dreaming. Those things are what's going to attract you when you hear somebody preaching or teaching or singing about Jesus. Is the things that you've given yourself to. If you've given yourself to reaching souls, you're going to be provoked when somebody talks about someone who's broken and needs Jesus. If you haven't given yourself to souls, you won't be provoked by it. If you haven't given yourself to giving to God in worship, you won't be provoked by worship. You won't be provoked by praise because that's not where the commitment has been given. See, as we commit ourselves to God, as we commit ourselves to different things in this world, we are created to bond and and to build relationship with things. So as we commit to something, we are bonding with it. It it creates a relationship. That's why you see some people that have a very genuine relationship with worship, and some may not. When we commit ourselves to the Word of God, some may have a very genuine relationship with the Word of God, and you can see it as they speak. You can see it as they read. You can see it as they talk about the things of God because they have created a relationship with the Word of God by the commitment. Because as we commit to God, as we commit to more of Him, that's when God responds. That's when God pours out revelation. That's when He gives understanding. That's when He opens our minds and our eyes up to what He wants to give us. So there's a pattern to miracles. And if you aren't being provoked, if I'm not being provoked, I might want to look at what I'm being committed to. I might want to look and see what am I focused on and what am I giving towards. Because whatever I give towards, that will provoke me. That will remind me. That will convict me when it's spoken about. That's going to convict me when I read the word and I say, you know what? I I could do better in that area. I could do better in that area. Miracles are not meant to be isolated. And we may not see the big picture of exactly what it is at the time that the miracle comes. But again, I don't think Peter expected every moment and every miracle that he had in his life to be spoken about across the entire earth. I don't believe that every leper that was healed in the Bible, that they believed that their story was going to be used for somebody to have increased faith for their miracle they needed for healing. And the miracles that we've had in this church in 2021, we may look at it as a 2021 thing, but you look at also the prophecies that were given for this church in 2021. And you, you know that we are supposed to be a light to the region a light to the district. We're supposed to be people who are leading the charge and possess the land because people need Jesus. The land needs Jesus. The land needs healing. But with that comes requirement of commitment. What am I going to do to obtain that promise? What am I going to do to obtain that promise that God gave me? So every time a miracle happens, every time we experience a miracle, there, there ought to be a change in our life. There ought to be a change that says, I'm never the same because of this miracle. Not simply because the miracle happened, but because I responded to the miracle in the way that God wanted me to respond to it. I responded to the word that was could happen. We could be we praise God and we thank him and we speak in tongues. Those are miracles for the event, a supernatural experience. But when we go out of the building, our decision in response to that, that is what determines the change in us. That is what determines where we're going, what direction we're headed. 
And our response to the miracles that we have, the miracles that we see, that will determine the very near future of this church. That will determine the very near future of this city, of this district, of the people around us. It's how we respond to what God is doing, what God has already done. So 2021 was a year of miracle harvest. It was a year of investment. It was a year of investment. You look at every month we had evangelists come and they would pour into the church and train the church, educate the church, increase the faith and increase the knowledge, increase the understanding. It was a year of investment. That year of investment, the response to that determines the, the, the size of the revival, the size of the harvest that ought to come. That's what is determined by that. So year of 2021 was wonderful. We had people be that were healed, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. We had people that came here that got plugged in, and they got something they didn't have where they were before because God wanted to input something into them. And train them for a season so they could go out and they could go somewhere and do something with that training. It wasn't simply the isolated event of 2021. So 2021 was a wonderful, profound, tremendous year. But what what effect does 2021 have on 2022 and 23 and 24 and 25? It's, it's easy to look back on, on miracles and say, thank God for that miracle. I'm so thankful he did that and testify about it. We should. We should witness about it. But how, how did I allow it? How, did I, how was I intentional about it changing me? How did it change me, really? Did I, did I change the direction of my heart? Did I change the direction of what I was thinking? Did I change the, the, the interaction that I have with people and the relationships I have with them? Did I, did I change that? Because that will, what is what's going to produce more miracles, is that response to that. Every time we, we respond to God, his, his, his coming to us the next time is a lot of times determined by how we respond to him when he visits us. So it's not going to be any different when miracles come. So I, again, I ask all of us, I ask myself, what can I change? What, where's something I could give just a little bit more? And again, it's not about the quantity given. It's about the season, the time, and the need. What, what specific place am I called to give to right now? What specific investment am I called to pour into right now? What can I adjust in my life? Even if it's adjusting our, the ministry workload that we have and pouring into a different ministry than we were before, that's still proper because that's what's needed for the time. This is how, that's, that's the pattern of miracles. Again, we look at these Israelites. They had a wonderful, wonderful promise of of this great land, and they'd be taken care of food-wise. They would have tents. They would have everything they would need. They would have it all taken care of. God was with them. God planned it. God prepared it. And he says, he even says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of these giants. I'm going to take care of these people. I'm going to slaughter them for you. But they didn't get the promised land. So what do we do with miracles? And again, you know, we, we know, we should know that we're not waiting on God. He's waiting for the next commitment from us. He's waiting for that next place of consecration that we're willing to give. He's waiting for that next place of prayer that we're willing to put ourselves into. The next place of fasting, the next place of giving, the next place of worship. He's waiting for just a little bit of a character adjustment from us. Just a little bit of an attitude adjustment from us. Just a little bit of a mindset change from us. We move from faith to faith, the Bible says. From faith to faith. 
So it's not like one life to a different life to a different life. It's one life, and we go to different levels of faith that God is connected to every single one of them. So our response, that's going to determine what type of revival we have. So whatever revival you're pursuing, whatever miracle you're pursuing in your life, that will be produced if you commit yourself to it. So if you do need that miracle healing in your body, if you need a miracle healing in your mind or your emotions or your relationships, commit yourself more to that area. Give God more room to work with because that is what he's asking. That's how miracles are produced is if we go to him, if we run to him, if we adjust our pattern as we run to him. The Israelites of Deuteronomy chapter 1, they were lacking in faith and they were lacking in commitment. And all the while, God was trying to increase their faith by increasing their commitment. Can you imagine what would have happened if they said, you know what, I'm going to trust you, God. It doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm scared, but I'm going to go up and possess that land. Can you imagine what would happen? All these people that did not get that promised land, all these families and generations of people that died without inhabiting that promise, if they did inhabit that promise, you never know. You just never know what, what could have happened in their life. You never know how many people might have been saved. You never know how many more people may have heard about the word of God. Because he had delivered them from Egypt, but they would go no further. They would go no further. He wanted to raise their standard of living by raising their standard of experiencing God. And you can look at the parallel to our experience now and how we experience God. I'm a person, I want to experience God more, right? I want to experience different things from God. I want to see different things happen in my life and my prayer and my worship. I want to experience different miracles that happen. The only way for me to get to that point is I got to increase commitment. I got to increase my faith. In Egypt, they were living a life that God deemed uh, that would be unfit for a child of God to live. It's unfit because they were living under the privilege of what a child of God meant. And we can look at our life and say, okay, where am I living? Where am I living? Am I living a life that's fit and described as a child of God? Am I reaching that standard that God has asked me to hit? Am I attaining everything that God wants me to attain? Am I receiving all the benefits and the privileges that God wants me to receive? Am I doing everything that God wants me to do? God performed miracle after miracle to move and change these Israelites, to tell them, you ought not stay here. Because this place you are unfit to reside in. This place I want to deliver you from. I have a greater place for you. I have greater rewards and greater benefits for you. So God says, go forth, expand my kingdom. Go forth and multiply. Miracles, again, they're for multiplication. Miracles are for the furthering of the gospel. And they ought to propel us from level one of commitment to the next and the next and the next and the next. Miracles ought to never leave us the same. Miracles, they ought to produce multiplication in our life, multiplication in our relationships, multiplication in our prayer, in our worship. They ought to produce multiplication even numerically in a church. Because God is there. If God is there, then what is impossible? If God is there, then what wall is too strong? If God is there, then what need can go unanswered? If God is there, what can't happen? So if God is in a place, 
then you better believe that God has a will for that place. He has an expectation of that place. So multiplication has to happen if God is there. Because if God is there, then God is blessing it. Because it's worth blessing. So we have believed and we know that this place, this people, this, this community, this church, it's, it's worth blessing. God deemed it worth blessing. Because people have committed themselves to God in ways that they have not committed themselves before. God's presence, he's he's not going to bless people with his presence without something being worth blessing. Without somebody doing something that is deemed worthy of blessing. It's worthy of blessing. And I want more. I want more of his kingdom. I want more of his word. I want more of his presence. And I want more for this church. I want more for this state. I want more for all the people that don't know Jesus across this community. There are so many people that do not know him. But God, again, the question becomes, what is God wanting to produce in me through this miracle? Why, God, are you performing this specific work in this specific time in this specific place? Why couldn't you give me that miracle last year? Why couldn't you fix that two years ago? Why couldn't you intervene in that situation yesterday or the week before or the month before? Why'd you make me wait three years? Why'd you make me wait and and suffer and experience these things? Why did you do that? Because God has a plan and a specific purpose for that work that he's doing in our lives. God, why couldn't you give the Jesus Church mighty revival 10 years ago? Why couldn't you give it 15 years ago? Because God has a specific plan, purpose, place for it. Because the promise, God has so much more planned than we would ever know. Whatever miracle you need, whatever miracle you are experiencing or have experienced, you have an expectation of how God's going to use that miracle. You have a belief and a preference and a mindset. You know what? God used this to testify to my brother, my sister, my friend. Yeah, he did do that. But his plan is so much greater. His expectation for that miracle has so much more gravity than we do. So much more. So even if we just reach that next place where, you know what, I can add one more thing in my mind and my spirit that I know God wants to do with that miracle. I'm going to pursue that. If that miracle can reach one more soul, if that miracle can change one more heart, one more mindset, I want it to. I want it to. Miracles have a pattern. 